What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What is up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce presented by Ping Pong Payments. Episode 94, you've made it. We've made it. Happy Monday to everyone out there, whether it's uh, morning, noon, or night. Uh, welcome to joining us live on another episode of Crossover Commerce presented by Ping Pong Payments. In today's episode, we've titled it Profit, uh, excuse me, uh, Selling Your Amazon Business, Exiting an Amazon Based Business, excuse me. Um, so we want to make sure that you're excited about. The topic we're going to be talking about, um, but again, welcome everyone. If this is your first time or your 94th, I appreciate you tuning in live on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, or Twitter, or if you're listening to us via download later on um, on podcasts, you can listen to us on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, really anywhere that there is a podcast. I'm going to be, just search Crossover Commerce in your favorite uh, portal Go ahead and search for us there and subscribe to those channels and make sure you rate us if you like our episodes that we're pumping out or the specific guests as well. But we appreciate you tuning in however you might be doing so uh, as well. Uh, but do me a favor because if you're watching us live on social media, please like, share, and comment on the all the questions or the uh, topics that we're going to be covering today because the, because it's a live episode, we can actually interact with our audience. Um, and I'm going live four to five times per week because so many people are out in the Amazon and e-commerce space. They're going to bring their t- best tips and tricks and insights to this audience as well. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and ask your questions, or give us a thumbs up and make sure you get notified uh, future episodes by clicking that bell on YouTube or Facebook or even LinkedIn. Make sure you are able to opt in to live broadcast on your favorite channels. That's us. Go ahead and make sure you do that as well. But about our guest today, um, Andre is actually an immigrant e-commerce entrepreneur from one successful business exit with one successful business exit, excuse me. Um, what started with a devastating losses ended up becoming a strong brand that was worth uh, half a, a minute at the time of the sale, uh, excuse me, half a million dollars at the time of sale. He is particularly passionate about brand building, uh, relationships, not algorithms have brought him the best results and also fulfillment from what he does best. Um, he is currently working on creating a new e-commerce brands while also supporting his peer group on the e-com brand builder mastermind. And I also want to point out that he just came off of a long weekend of a mastermind slash event, uh, which was excellent. I tuned in as much as I could over the course of la- end of last week into this weekend. So I wanted to make sure I had him on to talk his insights, his expertise, and also what he's doing for the future. So welcome to Crossover Commerce, Audrey Sadlock of EcomBB. Hey, man, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Man, you I, I've seen you, you everywhere recently, and it's just fantastic content you guys are pumping out, but that's because you're, you're mentoring, you're coaching, and also, st- well, theoretically, you're still building out uh, your brand coming forward. So I can't believe that you hopped on as quick as you did because some people have to you know, do months in advance. So I appreciate your time hopping on Crossover Commerce today. Of course, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to share. Yeah. So how was this weekend? Like uh, for those people who don't know, maybe had that insight. This is your first digital event. We were talking a little bit about this before we hopped on there. Um, What's it like building an e-commerce digital event where you can't handshake the people across from you? You can't have like drinks, you can't like network, but you have a community that you've had you know, hundreds upon hundreds, if not thousands of people uh, attend as well. Yeah, honestly, it was a little weird because I don't really <laughs> attend too many of these digital events myself. Uh, but I was like, hey, we got to do something. Uh, there's a lot of information that, that I'd like to share from people I know, the speakers we invited. And most people are not comfortable attending live events yet. So that's a good alternative. So those last three days uh, when we had the event, the e-commerce brand builder summit, uh, I personally learned a lot about e-commerce space and also about handling these events and making that all, all happen. Uh, fortunately, I had some help uh, with my uh, partners, Eric and Brian Zabirk. Um, otherwise, it'd be way harder than it should be. <laughs> uh, but we, we've got really good feedback, and I'm, I'm excited that it was helpful and people learn a lot. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more of these. 
what was the what was the focus for the event? Is it specifically just like sharing little tidbits of information, or what, what was kind of the focus that you wanted to bring that was different from everyone else? Yeah, the, the main focus was the brand building, right? So building something that's not fully dependent on one platform's algorithms, but more like a, a real strong independent brand. Awesome. What what would be like the next thing you're you're kind of focused on next time? Like what would what was the biggest critique of yourself that you think you had? You said you said before you uh, mentioned like you know just more advertising or just getting the name out there more. Is that the is that the one thing? Yeah. What what I've learned over the years, it's better to do something poorly than not do it at all. So we we're like, okay, we don't know much about this. Let's just do whatever we can. <laughs> and it, it it ended up being a sweet event, but I feel like a lot more people should have heard about it before we started, right? So next time, I'm just thinking of uh, doing a way further in advance planning for it so more people can attend and uh, probably spend more more money on advertising we barely spent anything on advertising this time uh, we weren't sure if it's going to go well uh, but now i see kind of how it works and next time i'd like to uh do like have a smarter approach to marketing basically hey you and i are the same way it's more money you spend on marketing the better outcome everyone thinks is going to happen so more attendees more sales whatever they might be down yeah. the road so I, I love that uh so congratulations on that that was really cool that i got to see all the the put cadences of putting that together. But I think you mentioned something of, I would rather, I, I like the quote that you mentioned here, I'd rather jump in and do it poorly than not at all. And I wanna apply that to kind of the topic we're talking about today is building an e-commerce business and kind of just starting right away, but then also being successful. There's a lot in your intro that that had was telling to me as someone who's talked to a bunch of people who've done this in the spaces, Hey, I wanted to jump in. I didn't know what I was doing, but I learned along the way, absorbed as much as possible. I learned from my mistakes and then I figured out how to make that successful and then eventually exit it. So what can you kind of tell us about that, that love story of e-commerce and building that brand and then uh, eventually exiting it, Audrey? Yeah, for sure. So that, that whole journey alone was probably the best lesson I've ever had. Um, Long story short, uh, I started selling uh, on Amazon. So that's the main sales channel I've always had. Uh, was 2017. Yeah, so late 2017. And within a year, less than a year actually, I was uh, questioning myself whether I should continue because I was in deep financial troubles uh, due to that business, uh, having some inventory issues. So the products I was selling are the scratch off maps. If you see one in the background right there, that's one of the products, not the best seller, but the one I liked. So those maps right. arrived at some point, 5,000 of them and people couldn't scratch them. So I started receiving one to start reviews. So if you sell on Amazon, you know what happens if, if there's an issue. Uh, people started re refunding their purchases. I started getting so many emails, people saying, hey, I can't use a product and stuff like that. Um, and at that point, I think it was like six to seven months into the business. I was like, okay, what do I do? Uh, that's all the money I've had, all the savings, including some line of credit uh, debt that I put into the inventory because I could see the business growing. It was working well. Um, so I, I ended up basically uh, sending all of that inventory to the garbage bin and <laughs> reordering for uh, Christmas. But in between, uh, a lot of things have happened too, uh, which included losing my day job, um, selling my house to pay for the new inventory, um, it, actually implementing proper quality inspection to, to make so, sure. That so actually, you, this was not something you left your job because you were already doing successful. You left it because you were, you were let go. And also to fund this new venture, instead of buying a new home, like a lot of people say, like, oh yeah, like invested my earnings into a new home and I got to buy a new home. You you sold your home to be able to invest into ecom your ecom brand. Yeah, is that, is that what I'm hearing? That, yeah, that's right. So around the oh, time man. when I think it just crossed 20k in sales and in, in, in like 30 days, and I was celebrating. I was like, okay, it's going well. I'll be able to quit my job soon, right? Uh, I just need to be more stable. Uh, and about a month or so later, maybe even less, I started receiving those one to star reviews and all that shit show happened, right? And right after you can curse on here. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right after that, I was asked to leave the company was restructuring or whatever. I don't know the real reasons, but I was like, okay, I can look for a different job now, or I can try and figure out this business and restart basically. Cause that was the only product I had in stock at that point. There's nothing else. Uh, I was out of stock for like five months. And you know, when that happens, you pretty much have to restart. 
Um, but what saved me, I think, was uh, having a, a real community. So a Facebook group for people who are buying my products, people who are like travelers, just like me. Uh, and I was sharing my entire story, everything that was happening there publicly, talking about the old, all the troubles and what I was doing to fix it. And I think that helped a lot because as soon as I was back in stock with proper quality inspection in place, uh, people jumped in to buy those products as gifts for Christmas. And that month alone was like over 50K in sales. And I was like, okay, I survived. I sold my town home to pay for it. I flew to Southeast Asia to work from anywhere because that was the goal of, the, of, of starting that business. Uh, but I would took a lot of risks to make that happen, but it all worked out, fortunately. Man, that, that's a fantastic story. So you, you, I, I heard you highlight a couple of things that had to be integral, like turning points in your business. You said proper quality control. And we've had people on the show that have talked about, you know, where that where that money comes like why the investment is so important because down the road six months three months whatever that is it can really throw you off track who, who are you like give me more details on like what what problem was solved and maybe more like who you worked with like if that's possible sure you, um feel free to kind of name drop if you will yeah so the business that i've built and uh, sold recently had two product lines one is maps and one is frames so frames okay. were made in China, but maps I tried to make in China, but I ended up making them in my home country in Ukraine for the for the sake of better quality. Uh, and also some political things, like I could actually make United Nations compliant world map in Ukraine and I couldn't in China. Uh, so wow. that, that was the biggest challenge with quality inspection because you can't just call in a company that does quality inspections in Ukraine. It's not that common. Most people don't manufacture stuff in Ukraine. So I basically had to find someone off Upwork and connect with them and be like, hey, you, have you done anything like that before? And they're like, nope, but I think I can figure it out. And I had to train them and figure out the entire process together with the manufacturer, uh, who I ended up uh, firing and finding some, somebody else later just, just for that basic reason. I didn't have that trust anymore. But in the, in the beginning, after the issue, we still had the same manufacturer. And that person who was doing the quality inspection was doing it based on what we figured out is going to ensure those problems will never happen again. And that quality inspection was actually much better than anything I've ever had in China. And I, I never heard of anyone doing like a three-stage quality inspection at different times of the process. And I just wanted to make sure I never have delays and I never have any, any possible issues whatsoever because my claim was this is the best quality product. Uh, it's the best in the world. It was the most expensive for always and still is. Uh, so for me, it was imperative to the success of the business. Awesome. Amazing. I, I love that story and how you had to like, eat, not just figure out yourself, but you had to teach other people along the way, right? We're all, uh, we're all students until we have to teach somebody else. And then we have to pull from our own either thoughts or our own experience to, to really educate other people. But it sounds like that really did work out. So fantastic. Move. Yeah. This is, so this is over a course of how many months or years uh, would you say this process is from beginning that you lost your job all the way to Hey, now we're humming, we're selling online and we're starting to turn out some real revenue. Yeah. From the time I had that issue until it was back in stock, probably like about five months or so. Okay. So there's a serious amount of time of chunk of a year that you were, you were either building, I'm assuming uh, you're helping optimize your listing or you make sure everything else is good to go until that gets inventory gets back in stock. Right. Honestly, I was basically working on, uh, like figure out my financial life. So I was delivering food, uh, right. Airbnb in being my private uh, room in the, in the town home and also town home for the weekends while we were traveling on the weekend and preparing to sell the town home. Cause I knew that for me to pay for the new inventory batch, I can just borrow more line of credit. And the only asset I still had left was that mortgage house. Right. So that's what I did. Oh my gosh. I let myself yeah. without realtors as well, figure out that process. Um, and all of that went back to paying off the line of credit and funding the inventory. So were you in, ever in the mindset of I'm, I'm mortgage bit for lack of a better term, mortgaging my future. If this doesn't work out, what was that mindset and mentality of what if potentially, if this doesn't work out, I know you sound very confident person. Was there ever times of doubt where it made you feel like, am I doing this? Is this not an appropriate way to do this? Yeah, that's that's a good question. <laughs> Definitely, like especially in the beginning, as soon as the issue popped up, I was like, "What do I do now?" I'm like, "This is this is it." But it's like it's, it's scary only in the beginning. Then you get used to it, and for me, it was like within a day. 
And my mind, my mindset shifted to, okay, what do I do to turn this into a victory? Like, and realistically looking backwards, I'm like, okay, now I have an interesting story. I didn't plan for it obviously, but it's a cool story and it's probably going to help some other people too. And if I didn't go through this, my journey wouldn't be that juicy, right? And that interesting. Uh, so to me, it was like, okay, you only live once as far as I know. What, what yeah, for all we know, yeah, that's all I've been told. What would my <laughs> ideal person do in this situation to figure it out? And I, I, I spent some time brainstorming and talking, talking to different people who I respect, getting their advice, and I ended up basically going all in, but also making sure my risks are reduced in all possible ways. So, like that quality inspection process, for example, it was so good that there's no chance I could pay for defective inventory again, you know? And also documenting the entire journey, strengthened that community I was building on Facebook that I knew that people who went through this with me, they'd be supporting this business forever, right? So to me, it was more like turning that weakness into strengths and uh, it wasn't easy for sure because like who likes delivering food? Like I, I don't think many people do. <laughs> yeah, just to, su <laughs> to supplement your income in a time of, what year was this by the way? 2018. Okay, so this is pre-pandemic, not much not as necessity as it is maybe pr no, prior yeah. to, to all of this, but you're, you're doing this on the side in the five months leading up to just so you can afford your inventory online. No other sources of income besides these odd jobs. Like you said, like what, what are you doing in this other meantime? Like it, it's just like building up your bank saving kind of so that you can apply this to your, uh, to your business. What's, what's like a five month grind for you? Like that, that in itself is, I'm assuming, depending on the time of year, you're turning away other opportunities, either of travel, leisure, other opportunities of business to like divert your attention away. How did you stay focused on that kind of end goal, if you will? Um, how do I stay focused? I don't know. It was, I was <laughs> Seclude yourself in the for a couple months. <laughs> yeah, well, Just, I, th I think what helps a lot here is I'm an immigrant. I came from nothing, right? Growing up, I was dreaming about sneakers. So to me, losing something like a, like a townhome in that case uh, or like a, a potential job didn't feel that big of a deal because I started from zero, right? It's not like I'm, I started some level and I'm, now I'm dropping down. It's, it's more like, hey, you have a chance of succeeding if you do ABC. And every day I would wake up and go through my plan, write down my goals and be like, okay, today I'm focused on this. And as long as I do this well, I'm cool. And then tonight I'll still deliver food because I need to pay for my mortgage. And we have a guest downstairs who's renting that room. So it's all under control. I'll figure it out. So basically talking to myself in a positive tone and also what's important, hanging out with the right people. Uh, at that point, I already met enough people in the space. So I, I, I'm one of those guys who'd go to pretty much all of the uh, e-commerce events in person when that was the thing. Um, and those connections mean a lot because to me, I never, I, I, I didn't know anyone in the space before I started the business, but as soon as I started hanging out with them, I was like taking their mindset and applying it to my life. And I was like, okay, these and these people that I really deeply respect, that's probably what they would do. Some of them I was able to ask like very straightforwardly, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is my plan. Would you do anything differently? Am I missing anything? And they would give me advice. And that's what, that's pretty much the reason I'm sharing my story all the time. And whenever somebody reaches out, I try to find time to help them uh, as long as I see we have mutual um, values and stuff. But like a lot of people have helped me on the way with like in, a, in ways that are hard to find in YouTube, you know, more like, hey, this is what I would do. Maybe their example as well, you know, and maybe spending that one hour once in a while talking to me and kind of reassuring that I'm moving the right direction, you know? That's amazing, man. And what, and other people are listening as well. One person I, I, uh, I admire quite a bit, Sharon Evan, and she was listening as well. She said, what a story and very inspiring. She's also very inspirational if you haven't connected. So, uh, Sharon, thanks for those kind words. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So who are those people, Andre, that you said that, you know, you kind of looked up to, you aligned kind of your personal goals because, like you said, there's so much, there's so much information out there. It's coming and going. We really want to make sure that this is a form of like good information. Uh, obviously it's not biased in any way for you. How are you, how are you kind of disseminating good information from bad information? Who, who are those go-to people for you? 
Well, it was easier for me because I, I got to meet them in person. Uh, a lot sure. of people in my circle are those I met on those conferences. You get uh, to read them in person, basically, like kind of exactly, based on yeah. cadences that way. Okay. Fill it out with my intuition, right? And uh, I think the biggest impact, and that was a little later in the, in the game, uh, 2019 already, I hired one mentor and I also hired another one uh, around the same time, actually, one from Vancouver, Kevin Pasco, and another one, uh, Corey Smith. He's, uh, I think he's from Million Dollar Sellers Group, but I met him on the SellerCon. And he was kind enough to like spend an hour a week with me on calls, basically going through what I'm working on. I, I obviously offered all the help I could uh, back, but the impact he's made, uh, as well as Kevin, they're very different in their approach and both re really helped me, were one of the biggest mind mindset shifts uh, and also shifts in terms of my work ethic. Because you know, when, when you don't have a boss, your business doing okay-ish, you're comfortable at some point. It's like I, I replaced my day job income at that point, but I was like, okay, how do I scale it enough for this to be an impactful project, not only for myself, but for other people who are my customers, my friends, my family, anyone who knows me, right? And uh, those two guys and also my mastermind, so people I met in person, invited to join on uh, like a closed inner circle group, uh, for weekly calls and accountability um, setting. So every week we'd set goals, report on them, uh, stuff like that. Those people were the ones who, sh who, who shaped me in the way I am right now. And that's actually something I talked to uh, on the event we just held on the weekend, uh, e-commerce brand builder summit, uh, that mastermind we decided to open the doors for more of the right people to join because that's the biggest thing that made it, made it happen for me. So no no real courses like you know a lot of people buy courses for me um i'm an exception when i buy courses no matter how much it costs i never open the course <laughs> but spending time with the right people uh made a big difference so like having this mastermind setting was a huge shift because every week i talk to people like myself work towards the same goals build e-commerce businesses i tell them hey this is my goal for the week that's what i'm going to work on and i know next week when i report on it if i don't achieve it i pay a penalty uh, and in our case, it's 50 bucks to a charity. And then if you work on it again for the next week, two weeks in a row, you don't achieve it. It's 100 bucks to the charity. Third time, if you don't achieve it, you're out. And for me, it was like, there's no way I cannot do this. And everyone was of the same no excuses mindset. Uh, they still are. So that was probably the, the, the best system I've had in terms of progressing with the business. So you made it, you made yourself almost like a swear jar, if you will, right? If you didn't achieve a certain actionable goal, you were putting that money towards a, a great cause. So that's, I've never heard that. That's that's very cool idea. Was that something you came up with or just someone someone else that did that? I don't remember if I've heard it anywhere, but I honestly don't know anyone who's doing the same thing. There, right. there are probably some systems with penalties, but I don't know if they send it to charity. All right. So for us, it's whatever we feel like. So if I heard about some good charity that I'd like to support, like last time was, this organization for uh, giving microloans to women in Nepal. So women who want to start their businesses and microloans is like two, three, 500 bucks. And I know I, I know of people who are friends with the founders of that charity. So I know that it's not like a huge organization that 90% of my contribution would go to managing the, the organization. I know it's most of it goes towards those actual microloans. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Next time I don't achieve the goal, I know where I'm contributing, you know? <laughs> that's fantastic stuff. That's so cool. Like, I, I love that idea to keep people, uh, you know, keep them attain, like focused on their goal, but also they know for a fact that, you know, it's not just going to your pocket or anything like that. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone would do that. But in that regards, it keeps you kind of focused on what you can achieve. And I'm sure they're they're decently easy goals. Otherwise, you know, it's not like sell a million dollars in a week until we see you next time. Like that's exactly. not achievable, um, actionable insights. So very new, cool. That's awesome. So if if I'm correct, we're recapping here, 2018 start of journey, really selling on Amazon all the way through 2019, you got about two or ish years in under your belt. When are we exiting your business here? What When's that like timeline or that thought to potentially exit? Yeah, here. to go in the chronological uh, sequence here, 2019, early 2019. Uh, so after all that issue happened, I was still traveling. I think I traveled like eight months in a row. So that was Southeast Asia, Mexico, and the United States. 
Um, I flew to this conference, uh, SellerCon, I think it was June. But before I flew in there, I was like, okay, I need to set a real tangible goal that would keep me inspired to work hard on this and work smart on this business. Um, and I wrote down um, on a piece of paper that I'm going to sell the business for 500,000K. And to me at that point for an immigrant was like a lot of money for like 50 K. It can it's a lot of money for anyone, man, not just an immigrant. <laughs> yeah, okay. like for, I, I used to live in cave, the capital of Ukraine before I moved to uh, Toronto, right. Canada. And there with 50 K I can buy a really nice condo. Right. So to, to, sure. to me back then, that's like a lot of money. And my parents probably have never made that much money. My hand was shaking when I was writing that down. Uh, but I start, started meeting the right people on that seller con. Uh, I, I, stay on this mastermind group that we put together. Like I was like, this is gonna happen. And I broke it down into like quarters, annual goals. So all, all, all the way to like weekly goals, what I'm working on. And every week I was adamant about achieving that because I was like, okay, if I sell this business for this much, not only is it gonna be an amazing business that I've built and I've never built a proper business before, but also I'll be able to share this story and someone else will do something even greater, right? So it's not just for me. And that's what I always like about it. And that's why I'm sharing my story publicly. Uh, but it's more like building something greater than myself, right? And what I also knew would happen as soon as I sell the business, obviously it's not like a life-changing sum of money, especially for someone who, like I now live in Vancouver. Here I can't even buy a condo that much. <laughs> I was going to say, man, that's the most expen one of the more expensive places to live in. I know, for sure. One, I think it's number one most unaffordable in the world right now, just based on how much people make here locally. Um, uh, anyway, so I was like, okay, this that's gonna be a proof of concept. So I was super excited about that goal. And when I wrote it down and started working on it, uh, I think it was about two years before I sold it, a little less, yeah. So I started planning for it really uh, seriously about a year before I sold it. And I sold it in uh, November, 2020. So just a few months ago, basically. Um, but the whole process took some time and selling a business is a totally different beast than building a business it requires a different kind of skill set and definitely different work. Um, right. In, in the, in the title, we made this, and I want to make this clear for everyone too. We've tied many different brands who have exited their business. We've had brokers on here. We've had aggregators on here. You name, you name their name. They probably appeared on the show, which is really cool. You, but everything I've heard has been contrary to, to kind of what you did, which is kind of fascinating to me is diversify, make your brand, um, have all these different sources of income. You yourself made a brand and we're doing only sale only and we'll, we'll caveat this only sales through Amazon. That's right. Correct. Okay. So with that being said, only sales through Amazon, a lot of brands, they tell me, Hey, those are risky or they won't even look at me, but you're, you're saying that's, contrary to what you've seen and heard you've had offers you've had other things and brands come to you and say that's not a problem but you didn't go that way so what was kind of that process like of what's the right thing to do how do i get to my goal that I ultimately achieved and then what do we learn from that that's a lie i just throw on your plate but yeah how, how can we yeah if that all makes sense so me personally i don't like uh full dependency on one platform so in our case amazon um, I had a lot of issues myself, sometimes like November, my listings are suspended. I have no idea why in two weeks in November, when it's high season for my products, I'm trying to figure out what happened, right? It's not cool and it's, it's super stressful and you never know what's going to happen, but sometimes you will be faced with some challenges that you, you, you can't even address properly because they don't care about sellers. Right. And the biggest part, you don't own customer data and for you to build a proper brand, you want to be able to have that continuous feedback loop and talk to your customers and be able to serve them, right? And how do you serve them if you can't even talk to them properly? So that's my biggest challenge. I clearly have love-hate relationship with Amazon. So I was already working on diversifying my sales channels uh, and at the very least, my communication channels with my customers. And that's what I was doing from the very beginning. Uh, in my case, I had that Facebook community for travelers, digital nomads and people like that. And that was very, very helpful. Like sometimes I'd design a product together with the community because I had such a good connection with them. And I knew at the time of launching those products that they just jump in on the first few days and buy the product because we created that together, right? So that was pretty awesome. And also some emails, I was collecting emails uh, over the period of building that business. I think it got to like about 3K or something, which is, isn't huge, but 
better than 99% of Amazon-based businesses. And that's also very helpful too. Um, but what I figured out when I was uh, planning for that exit is there are two kinds of buyers. Some are buyers who just look for Amazon businesses and there are tons of them, especially now the demand seems to be growing. Um, and also buyers who want to buy a well-diversified business that they just want to retire on and just use as a cash cow basically, right? Um, and if it's easy enough to manage or they have a team in place, uh, they, they are happy to have multiple sales channels. So I knew that at that point when I decided, okay, I'm going to sell this business was the most efficient way, right? It's the 80-20 rule. Um, and by talking to a few brokers and also some of the big aggregators, including Trasio, I figured that uh, it's like the most efficient way for me at that point was to double down on what was going well and expanding my brand within Amazon uh, while also keeping my social media active. Uh, so I can actually say that, hey, I have this community. It's not just a store. It's actually a brand that is present outside of Amazon, which was the case. Um, but long term, and that's what I'm working on next, uh, I'd like to have a brand that's very well diversified, not only in the social media channels and ways I communicate, but also in terms of sales channels. It, it makes it more resilient uh, in the long run. Absolutely. I agree with that sentiment. I think a lot of people... We, we've kind of passed the threshold of dependence on one channel and can only be successful on one channel. I think there's just so many different factors that are out of your control as an entrepreneur on one marketplace that, mm -hmm. like you said, you were out for a month or two or whatever that time period was. Again, if, if I recall of you were just, your listing was taken down for one reason or another, who ultimately has that that decision that's that's on the marketplace itself. Exactly. If you are doing everything and you checked all the boxes, do everything your right way, that that's fantastic. But ultimately, if something is red flagged on their end, they will pull it down, and that that's a good or bad thing. That's ultimately Amazon trying to protect the customer, but you as an entrepreneur trying to do the right thing can be quite frustrating. So having all these sources of revenue, income, you know, diversification can only protect you, and that's that's what I truly feel. Uh, feel wholeheartedly do believe. Um, so with that being said, Andre, what, what's kind of like the other places that you will diversify? Like Amazon seems like the core of every online business today. What are those natural next progressions for you? Or do you have a caveat of depending on what product I sell or service I sell, what's the next, what's the next leg of the stool, if you will? Yeah, very good question. And it all depends on your product line, that's for sure. Um, like for, for me, I'm looking at uh, some spaces that have consumable products. So products people have to come back and buy again as long as they like them. And for that, I think combining both Amazon and Shopify makes a lot of sense. Uh, and your job as an entrepreneur in that case is uh, use Amazon as not only the sales channel, but also a traffic channel. And we all know that it's... Uh, for most perks is the easiest way to start, right? Uh, and that's what where I would probably still start. Uh, and then people who buy from me on Amazon would have a good enough incentive to buy again from me, but on my own website. And that way I can collect their customer data, which is priceless. And that's what turns those businesses into not like free X multiple, but 17, 20X multiple, sometimes more, because you own customer data, you can talk to them, you can actually um, use the data in a smart way. And something I've learned recently was basically through, actually from through my wife, because she works for an agency that does e-commerce email marketing. And she's been showing me some of the results she was able to deliver uh, in terms of email marketing for her clients. And I was like, really blown away. I was like, okay, that's awesome. You just send this email to, I think it was like 100,000 emails or so list, uh, but you don't send it to everybody. That's the biggest mistake people make. You send it to the right people who done certain things. So it tracks the behavior on your website. Uh, and because you send it at the right time to the right person with the right message, they bought like 60 something K worth of product within that day. I'm like, wow, I'm missing something. I need to focus more on this with the next brand. So that's my long-term plan. I want to have my own website where I own customer data. I have their emails. I can talk to them and I do that properly. Um, through the means of email marketing, social media, influencers. Um, and then I can scale to anywhere. If it makes sense for my products to be on, on Walmart, I'll be there. If it makes sense for, for them to be on Etsy, uh, I'll be there. Actually, with Etsy, there's there's an issue because I, I don't think you can sell that store. 
because it's connected to your name, but it may still make sense. Um, any other marketplace where you you should be because of the nature of your product, because uh, that's where your customers hang out, you want to be there, right? Uh, but long-term, it makes sense for you to own customer data, so own email list, uh, have proper social media channels, have influencers talk about you and stuff like that. In the beginning, it takes a lot of efforts and it actually costs a lot. Uh, that's why I didn't fully go into it when I decided to sell the business because it, it would it would take a lot of money to put into that uh, those uh, initiatives. But long-term, it definitely pays off big time. Good stuff. What I, I like to I like to hear your thoughts on the the following are aggregators or private equity businesses that are consuming brands obviously good for you because obviously you you get a nice payday from it and you put it in the hard work is that going to be beneficial for Amazon sellers who enter the market a year from now three years from now five years from now or is this going to be something that's going to stifle smaller business like an independent person like myself or you to start on Amazon when you have portfolio companies like this or private equity firms selling, you know, a vast number of products that are very successful on Amazon. Is that going to be a good thing or a bad thing? And then I'm curious to hear why you think that. Well, competition overall is good. So there's right. Definitely, like, maybe I'm just a positive person, but any change that I see, I see, I, uh, I try to find good, good in it. And I see the challenge you're talking about most uh, sellers who are new, who don't know much about, uh, let's say Amazon, uh, and are competing with someone like Tracia, who has, I don't know, hundreds uh, of brands that they, they run properly. It may be challenging, but only if you do a me too kind of product. And that's something I don't support anyways, right? So if you come into the marketplace, uh, it's not about finding a product and sending it to Amazon and basically saying, hey, I actually have it as well, buy it for me. Why? Because I have it. You have to have strong reasons for your brand to exist. Uh, and if you have that, uh, there's no competition. And th th that was my case with this first brand that I sold too. Like I was thinking of ways um, to differentiate in a way that matters. Like why would people pay more and buy from me when there's so much Chinese competition? And it takes some time to learn what people, people care about. But once you do, there's no real direct competition. Like there was nobody else who was selling the United Nations compliant maps of that high quality European made um, uh, standard. Um, this unique technology nobody else was using too. Like it was way more uh, sturdy with the right poster size and the right marketing messages targeted towards this, the right person and advertised under the right angle. There's nobody else who was doing all of that well with that travel community in place and everything else. So to me, it was like, okay, there's market for this. And I found my tweak that people are willing to pay more, uh, more for. And if you do that with your businesses, there's no competition. There's always way to stand out. Like some niches are definitely saturated. It's hard to stand out with something like toilet paper, but it is still possible, right? And if you know your tweak and you're willing to take a risk, maybe it'll, it'll work out for you. Like at some point, Dollar Shave Club figured that out, right? So there's always a way for you to stand out. And if you do it well, no matter how many people are selling that product, if you're unique enough in a way that matters, you'll be able to survive. I love that. that. That's all fantastic information. And it's, it's curious to hear people who, who sell that because again, people, people exit it for one reason or another, right? They exit a business in general. We can talk about business philosophy of they either leave because they lose their passion, which I don't think you have. I think you said you had a mentality of this is where I want to leave when this happens and you've achieved your goal. Like there is nothing for you left to achieve in this adventure, I should say, or just venture in general. Um, the other one, people either lose the time focus or lack to do that, or that competition stops them. But you're talking mm -hmm. about more of, hey, find ways that are successful, build that tangible goal that you can achieve, and then build on that, like build something bigger. Because, you know, like you did, you started with an investment that was probably smaller than what you could do right now, now that you've exited a business. Yeah. Now you can get in more, a little bit more competitive products or more of a higher end product or even diversify and go into more countries or more marketplaces. There's ways with money comes more opportunity. Absolutely. If, if that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, yeah. And my approach would be probably very similar with a new brand that's that I'm still working on uh, the products for, but um, the general 
the general lesson I've learned uh, was speak to your customer, listen to them, get that feedback, ideally in advance to your launching. So when you launch, that's what people want. Like in my case, I had that community and I actually had it before I launched my first product too, because I was already building it. I knew I'd be in that space because I was passionate about traveling and like I would enjoy having that community anyways. But what's what was very um, instrumental uh, later on with the business when I was scaling it big time, when I joined the mastermind, I was like, okay, my focus is scaling. I need not two products, I need like at least 10, 15. And that's actually what happened. I sold it when I had 15 SKUs. Um, my, one of the launches was done with the community and without having that asset, I wouldn't be able to succeed on Amazon. And it sounds funny and counterintuitive to most sellers because they're like, oh, if you want to succeed on Amazon, you got to be fully focused on Amazon. But for me, I was able to succeed not knowing all the intricacies of the Amazon algorithms because I had that community. And when you create a product that people who are your target audience tell you what they need in it, like in my case was the, the map of the United Nations, uh, sorry, United States and National Parks. Um, I was like, okay, what do what do you guys need there? I know you travel in the States. It's not just globally that you travel. What would you like to see in this map? Do you want a list of national parks? Do you want a list of landmarks? Do you want flags? Uh, do you want the highest peaks? Do you want all the interstates? Uh, what colors do you prefer? Do you like this color scheme, this color scheme? Uh, so uh, over the course of like two months, together with a proper cartographer and a graphic designer and that community, uh, I believe we, we designed the best ever scratch off map of United, uh, sorry, na national parks in the United States. And when we launched it, not only my community went and bought it, uh, but, and, and left amazing reviews, because obviously they love what they created, uh, but also everybody else who ever sees it on the marketplace, they're like, oh, this is actually pretty awesome. And nobody else has done such an extensive work, right? So even if you're only focused on Amazon, there's still a way for you to build a brand, not, not only within the Amazon platform, which, it gives you a lot of opportunities as well, like video ads, Amazon posts, Amazon Live. There are a lot of things an average seller doesn't do. And if you do it well, your brand will, st brand will stand out. But also if you build a community outside of Amazon and treat it as a proper brand, um, your customers will feel the care and the buyers of the business will go into multiple bid situation to buy your business. And that was actually my case. And yeah, learn a lot from that, pro that, from that process. So two things that come to mind when I hear that first off, how are you building this community from scratch? First and foremost, like these aren't people that you're just going out and picking and putting them into like a Facebook group or anything like that. First off, how do you build that? And then second, when you exit a business in, in your case, um, how does that equate to the new business in that in theory, you're on this group or you're owning a community. Does that translate over to this new business or whomever yeah. is taking over to you? Like, what are what are those two kind of components if you if you don't mind talking on them? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the, the the community that I built for the business was transferred as one of the business assets because it's a business asset sale. So anything that belongs to their brand uh, goes with the sale. Uh, I don't know. It seems like the new owner doesn't uh, use it to the full extent. Uh, all the social media that I had, so including um, Instagram, uh, YouTube wasn't very active, but I was starting to be to be active there before the sale. Uh, Pinterest was very applicable to that space because it's home decor, but mm -hmm. I, I don't see the new owner really going fully into that, but at least he maintains the group, right? And that's the main asset there. Um, but to answer your first question about how you build it, uh, in my case, I was the target audience, which makes it easier. Uh, doesn't have to be the case for you. So even if you're not the, the ideal customer for your brand, uh, doesn't mean you can't do this, but for me, the way I started was basically inviting people from all over the world that I had in my Facebook friends list, uh, like reconnecting with them, first of all, and inviting them to join that Facebook community and be like, hey, this is a group for travelers and we'll just exchange ideas and help each other. Um, and then when I had, when I started working on the product, I'd communicate with them be like, hey, this is what I'm working on. And one of the things I asked in the beginning, which was one of the biggest uh, positive decisions I made was, hey, which product design do you like? Do you like the black background map or the white background map? Because I've seen both on the marketplace and both seem to be selling fairly well. And about 65% or more of my Facebook community members at that point, which was less than 1,000 people, uh, voted for the black one. And I was like, oh, that's 
that's insightful because I like the white one, the one that you see in the background here. You're um, doing testing real life. In yeah, real life. I, I paid zero for it, right? But I put all the efforts to build a community so they listen to me and answer my questions, right? But because they voted that way, I launched that one first. And had I not done it, I probably wouldn't have made it, right? Because that was the first product. And it matters a lot when you're very tight on cash. Um, but anyways, back to the question. So I started with my uh, friends who I knew personally, invited them because they had that value. They, they liked traveling. They were global citizens. So I knew I'd be talking to them. They'd support me. Uh, then as soon as I started selling from the first day, I had an insert in those tubes uh, with the maps uh, encouraging people to join the community. So I promised them uh, free uh, advice on cost-effective traveling and being connected to like-minded individuals in the Facebook community. Sounds uh, like a white paper. Was it a white paper basically or an ebook? essentially? Uh, yeah, actually, later on, I had it more sophisticated. So later on, and that's what I suggest people do if they look into this, I promised a freebie. So that insert uh, had a QR code and a website, and I promised them a freebie. I didn't say what it is, so I, I was able to change it if I need to. And mm -hmm. also, it creates that intrigue. And I added another important thing that I think matters a lot is the time clause. I said that it's valid only for seven days after you purchase. Obviously, I can check that, but I think people don't question that very much. They're like, oh, I got to jump on this, on this and see what the freebie is about. So a lot of people would go through that QR code or the website that end up on my page where I collected uh, Facebook pixel data. Um, but also, they click there, they end up in my many chat sequence, so the automated messenger bot. The very first message was, hey, my name's Andre. This is the brand I built. This is my family business, my picture there. Um, and thank you for buying from this brand, from Travelization, uh, which I think I, I first asked them to submit an email for a lifetime warranty, which doesn't matter that much for products like this. It's not, right. it's not tech, right? It's not, it can't really break. Uh, but some people did leave emails, and that's also great because you can send them emails as well. They, they also check check mark that they agree to that. Uh, but then I asked them, hey, what do you buy? What did you buy? So I know if there's any issue in the future, I know what they're talking about because there are quite a few products at that point. And also, here's the freebie. Uh, the freebie was uh, 21 epic hikes in the United States, an ebook. So, like National Geographic level of ebook, very simple, very concise. But all the questions uh, people like me would care about when they determine where to go. Uh, so I knew that my audience would appreciate that. Uh, that ebook was very well received. You only do it once. You do it well, and people are grateful. You don't have to send them free products or anything like that. Uh, at least I didn't have to. Um, and after that, I'm like, oh, here's freebie number two. And I didn't even talk about having two freebies, but you obviously want to surprise people. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's, and it's a, it's a good surprise. And they're like, oh, what's the freebie number two? And it's the uh, travel community for people who explore United States and the world and We'll share all the advice, recommendations, and stuff like that. So people would join that community as well. And after that, only after that, I'd ask them, hey, would you mind sharing how you like the product? And most of them replied. And they were like, oh, I love it. And it's an amazing experience. Thank you so much. Andrew, you're great. Like, it's not like I was hiding my name or anything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, if it's a positive experience, there would be another pop-up with like, star rating and if, if they say five star uh then it directs them to go to amazon and ask them organically to go to their orders find that order and submit a review if it's less than that it automatically sends an email to me so it creates that automatic email and uh, the subject line is i love travelization but and i let them finish so i can fix it and as soon as i receive it my rule was to reply right away if i'm awake i reply like within minutes uh, and that also creates that wow effect. Most of the people who ever emailed me uh, also ended up leaving good review because of the care I provided, right? So that was my approach. And I think community uh, built on past customers, that's a huge asset. Like uh, at least 60 to 70% of members of that community, and it was 6,000 people in the Facebook group when I sold the business. Now it's more. Wow. Uh, most of them were actually buying from me before, right? So when you work on some new products, you can use that asset, you can talk to them, they know what you're about, like, there's no secret, everything's open, right? They, they, they know exactly who the person is behind the brand and what the mission is, what kind of products, and they want to support that vision because they see themselves in you, right? And that's the way I'd like to work on my new brands as well, because it's very hard to compete with me that way. That's awesome, man. I that that is very well thought out in, in that process of there's no blueprint that you're going off of, right? You thought you thought logistically, how would I be able to handle any sort of success or problem down the road 
and you can kind of like insert your own little touches in along the way. And if something needed to change, you can pull it out almost like a, like a oil change or something like that, or a bad spark plug. You could pull it out real quick, put it in a new one. Yeah. And then the process and the SOP or the standard operating procedure, um, rather it, it continues to hum and it continues to work with Amazon's terms though, constantly kind of always tweaking and, and kind of like changing just a little bit where everything can kind of see how you're driving traffic or how you're getting reviews and things like that. Were you ever, were you ever worried about your processes, either raising a flag or providing any sort of like. I don't know, issue uh, in coming back to haunt you because you were directing either people back to a review or a rating site or, you know, uh, all, all the kinds of things that you're, you're doing. Everyone's always tentative. Like, I don't want to mm -hmm. get in trouble, but I need to like somewhat push the envelope. Were you ever worried about that? Yeah, you always, as an Amazon seller, you're always worried about having your actions interpreted in a way that it's uh, against terms of service. Uh, and I was very careful as well. Like I definitely don't support any black hat tactics. Uh, sure. Even though I was a victim of some from my competition at some point, I, I never fight back and I never do anything against terms of service. So even uh, in the way I worded my uh, automated sequence, it wasn't like, hey, um, I'll give you freebie in exchange for review. Never. Right. It's more like, hey, here's a freebie. But then how do you, how do you like the product? Would you mind submitting a review? That's it. And it was down the cadences. It wasn't the first thing you asked when they downloaded no. that QR code. It was yeah. it was down the path of seemed like a you know happy customer, like they would have to like opt into like these kinds of responses. Awesome. If you're I, I like the whole like five star direct them to Amazon, which there's nothing against that. But then also if something's less, you're you're reaching out yourself and you're like, what's up? Like what what's wrong with the map? And I, I'm only assuming that there's so many different responses that you're going to receive in a product like this right like yeah in theory like it's not going to be like um geez i don't know like something like a, a, a t-shirt right it doesn't fit right or it's not quality material or you know makes me itch or you know the sizing is inconsistent with like what you're yeah. telling me online it, there, most of this product seems pretty easy were caused by amazon sometimes they deliver uh, like a smash tube so why would you deliver if it's broken maybe they broke it on the way but or there's something missing and it, it looks on the picture. I asked them, hey, can you show me? And the picture looks like somebody opened it, then closed it. So that's why the, the accessories were missing, right? Somebody opened it and they, they got lost. So most of the issues I had to deal with were caused by Amazon realistically. Uh, but also I think like when you keep in mind that your goal is to serve your customer, not to serve Amazon, right? Amazon is a sales channel, that's it. It's like renting a spot on, uh, in the marketplace, in, in the physical world, right? You don't serve the marketplace, you serve your customers. And if you do that well, they come back. And if you're if they're happy, they don't complain. If they don't complain, Amazon doesn't have any issues with you, right? And in my case, I think, um, like, because I was focused on delivering the best possible purchase experience, I never had any issues. And obviously, I kept in mind what you can say. You can't really incentivize reviews, right? And I didn't do that, right? I, I wasn't paying or giving gifts in exchange, right? So if someone from Amazon would go through my flow, it'd be hard for them to be like, hey, you actually break in terms of terms of service because, because I wasn't. But at the same time, you understand that most of the reviews on Amazon, fortunately or unfortunately, are incentivized. And if you, if you don't do anything and you just expect people to think of you and leave a review, you never ask, they never will submit that review, right? Mm -hmm. You have to ask in a proper way. Uh, and in my case, because I was delivering so much value, more than they expected, it was very easy to ask. I was like, how do you like it? And they're like, they're not thinking about the product only, they're thinking about the entire experience with travelization, right? And if, if they think of you highly, they're like, oh yeah, I want to support this guy. He's been great for me. He's like, now I have a great idea for my weekend get getaway because I live in Utah and this amazing national park is right next to me. And I, I had no idea that, I don't know, it takes this much time for me to hike that real little trail. But the views are spectacular, right? And without him working on this, I would never learn about it. And I wouldn't be a part of this community where I can ask more advice. Like there's a lot of things you can do without spending too much money um, that would deliver that wow experience to your customers. And then it makes it easy for them to spend that extra minute and go and support your business. And a lot of them would not only go to Amazon Leave Review, they would go to my Facebook group. They would also submit a seller, a seller feedback, come back to that ManyChat flow and be like, hey, what else do you need to do? I'd love to support your brand. 
and average seller does not get the response because average seller just focuses on tweaking the algorithms and i always hated that i'm not set, I'm, I'm not that analytical <laughs> exactly so you're starting from scratch with something new your new project and whatnot it it sounds like that's what ecom brand builders is but you're going to get back to selling here eventually or potentially some other stuff if people are kind of curious to kind of follow your journey or just how can they interact with you or learn more about you? What, what's the best way to do that, Andre? For sure. Um, well, my, my own website is andresadlak.com. So A-N-D-R-I-S-A-D-L-A-K.com. You'll see what I'm up to uh, when you go there. Uh, but I'm currently focused on um, expanding a little bit my uh, mastermind. Uh, so we're accepting applications for this. Now it's paid mastermind. Uh, very affordable, but only the right people will join. And we decided to do this only right now for um, the, so starting starting with May, I want to have a few more people uh, in the mastermind, so more groups. And it's going to be definitely worth everybody's time and investment because we'll have guest speakers, we'll have group calls, and we'll have resource sheet for all of the members and stuff. So it's going to be a great way for me to pay back and stay connected with people I like. Um, so if, you, if you're interested, just go to ecombb.com uh, slash mastermind. You can apply there. We'll talk to you. We'll interview everybody. And if we feel there's a fit, mutual fit, it's going to be a win-win, then we'll let you join, right? That's the process. Uh, but other than that, most of my time will go into building new e-commerce brands because that's what I'm passionate about. And I'm, I'm learning so much right now about being independent on, of, uh, of just one platform. Obviously, I'll use what I know about Amazon, but I long term, I don't want to depend only on that sales channel. And everything I learn, I share with my mastermind. Everything everybody learns there, we have that abundance mentality. We share with each other. We experiment all the time, and we, we, we try to keep track of our lessons. So it's, it's such a great community to be a part of. Without my group, I wouldn't be where I'm at. That's for sure. Fantastic, man. You're mapping your way to another successful adventure. So no pun, or a little, little pun, pun uh, joke right there. But anyways, <laughs> that's a great story. I, I This is the first time we, we've interacted and talked. So I'm glad we were able to connect, learn a little bit about your experience. And maybe hopefully this will allow other people to be insightful and, and very particular about the way that they want to build their brand and then obviously the goals that they've set. So fantastic stuff. Thank you so much. And again, for, for people who are listening to this or watching this, all this information, all the links are going to be in the show notes below to link out to the mastermind, follow Andre on, you know, social media, all those different places too. So make sure you check him out and follow him as well. Um, but thank you so much for hopping on crossover commerce. It was awesome to talk with you and pick your brain and, and kind of hear your story as well. Of course, Ryan, my pleasure. Another quick note before we end. If anyone sure. at the stage of selling the business, feel free to reach out. Uh, I, I'm not going to charge you for that, but it's, if it's like a one, two, three calls to support you and help you plan out that exit, I'm happy to do so. I, I got a lot of help from others uh, at the time, but like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just happy to pay forward. That's amazing stuff. And, and thanks for that invitation. So if you're looking to potentially pick the brain of someone who has exited their business, been successful on Amazon and leaving uh, growing something pretty big, go ahead and uh, reach out to Andre. Andre, thank you so much today for hopping on Crossover Commerce. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Awesome. Andre, again, for everyone from Ecom uh, BB, go ahead and make sure you check out and follow them on social media again on Instagram, him on Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn as well, and then their website, ecombb.com forward slash mastermind. Going to be in the show notes as well um, if I happen to mess up that link, but make sure you check that out uh, moving forward. But again, thank you so much for hopping on episode 94 of Crossover Commerce. Again, we go live about four to five times per week. So if you're watching this for the first time, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel or uh, subscribe to our social media channels. Be notified of future episodes coming up because this week is action-packed. We have lots of content that's coming up again. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about using external traffic to drive rank and sales with uh, Victor Dwyer. On Wednesday, I'm going to be talking with the CEO, or excuse me, the co-founder and president of Assembly who owns multiple different software businesses in the Amazon e-commerce space, one of them most notably Helium 10. So you're going to check out, we're going to be speaking with Adam Crawshaw there. And then on Friday, I'm going to have a, a two-on-one kind of conversation myself with two colleagues uh, at Canopy Management, Brian Johnson and Blake Hilton. You're going to want to stick around for that. We're going to be talking about building a foundation of success on Amazon. So again, tune in this week. There's always more content coming 
from uh from me and my guests as well again follow us on clubhouse i also put andre's clubhouse handle there go ahead and follow us on clubhouse for when we go live make sure you follow up, smash our faces hit the notification bell when we do talk on amazon and then uh you can follow me ryan kramer uh, i'm on facebook instagram linkedin as well so uh, again, thanks for tuning in to Crossover Commerce, episode 94, Exiting an Amazon-Based Business. We appreciate everyone tuning in or watching or listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and tune in next time for when we go live on Crossover Commerce. Take care, everyone.